Happy New Year, listeners, and welcome to the Game and Word podcast, where gaming meets humanity. I'm your host, Jay Rooney, and I'm thrilled to start 2023 with every single one of you. I launched Game and Word one year ago on January 1st, 2022, and I launched a podcast about two months later. And I'm just amazed at how far it's all come. And it's all thanks to you, dear listeners. I seriously cannot thank you enough for listening to this podcast and reading the newsletter and subscribing and generally supporting my humble little gaming publication. I'm very, very grateful for all of you. So in that spirit, let's get into today's episode. My guest this week is Eric Holden stand-up comedian and co-host of The Goblin's Corner, a tabletop RPG podcast. Now, this was a nice little change of pace for me, and I hope for you as well. Was, uh, here at Game & Word, our focus is primarily on video games, but I'm glad we got to show tabletop games some love too. After all, there's a lot of overlap between tabletop gamers and video gamers, your host included. That's right. I am an avid Dungeons & Dragons player, and I'm currently running two separate campaigns. So, I'm just as fond of analog games as I am of digital ones, and I'm glad that I got to talk about the tabletop side of gaming with Eric. It was a a fun conversation. And, you know, fact is, we've been playing tabletop games in some form for millennia. the apocalypse ever rains down, then... They'll likely survive video games for millennia. Uh, and even if it doesn't, just... Uh, the fact is that tabletop and video games are kindred pastimes. They influence and they're influenced by each other. And tabletop role-playing games in particular, which is what we're talking about today, uh, are just a great way to indulge your imagination, stimulate your creativity. And if you're playing the role of a game master or GM, really sharpen your storytelling skills. At all with nothing more than a pencil, sheet of paper, and some dice. It's it's amazing, quite frankly, and I hope you'll think so too by the end of uh, today's episode. But before we proceed, I do want to get a couple of announcements and housekeeping items out of the way. So first, I wanted to let you know that I was recently a guest on The Cure is Conversation, which is hosted by the inimitably radiant and delightful Queen Bee Divine. We talked about video games and mental health, my own experience with Zelda therapy, and why parents can relax about their kids playing Fortnite all day. All in all, it's a great listen, so do check out the link in the episode notes. Uh, second, uh, join us over at the Game & Word subscriber chat to hang out with me and your fellow curious gamers and gaming-adjacent folks. It's the best place to reach me directly and just a wonderful space to talk about games life or whatever else is on your mind it's free but you do have to have the substack app which is on ios and android to participate link in the notes as usual and oh yeah and you do need to subscribe to the game and word substack to participate so whether you're free or a paid subscriber you're welcome to join but it is called subscriber chat for a reason so if you haven't yet, just hop on over to gameandword.substack.com and subscribe for free to get uh, a brand new, fascinating gaming deep dive delivered to your inbox 
every single week. Then, finally, I would like to thank Game Awards paid subscribers for making this podcast possible, and especially to our wonderful founding members. They are Letakas from Luzern, Switzerland, member since April 14, 2022, LAF from San Diego, California, member since April 24, 2022, Alexi F from Chicago, Illinois, member since May 13, 2022, and Elvira O from Mexico City, Mexico, member since May 18, 2022. Thank you all for making this whole gaming publication operation possible. All right, then. Let's get started with this week's episode of the Game & Word podcast featuring Eric Holden. I'll be back after we wrap up. Talk to you then, and enjoy the show. back up a little bit actually just in case some of our listeners may not be familiar with the concept of a tabletop rpg believe it or not about half of my audience is about evenly split between gamers and non-gamers for the benefit of the non-gaming half how would you sum up a tabletop role-playing game okay in your own words a ttrpg or tabletop role-playing game is a storytelling collaborative storytelling game where you have generally someone to run the story to set up scenes and then everyone else gathered around would play some sort of character based off of either a sheet or concept and whenever there are actions or things which are resolved to chance you would roll some dice and depending upon the stats that your sheet has determines whether you succeed or fail but i would say the biggest thing is that it's a collaborative storytelling game And if you ever played pretend as a kid, it's the same thing, just with a couple of rules behind it. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's a great way to put it. If you ever played pretend as kid, because ultimately that's all you need. Some dice, pen and paper, and just a little imagination, and you can have all the fun in the world. Absolutely. And it's not just D&D, and it's a thing we talk a lot about on our podcast, The Goblin's Corner, is Obviously, that's the big thing now because people are seeing it in movies and stuff like that. And it's been around for years. But there's also lots of games for every genre. If you like horror games, lots of horror stuff. I can recommend, for example, Ten Candles is a great game to play at Halloween. There are space games. Of course, Star Trek, Star Wars, all the stars are happening. And anything under the sun in terms of what you want to play. There's one for kids where it literally is just conflict resolution that people use in uh, counseling sessions and stuff like that and it's a role-playing game yeah. right role-playing games are all over the place there's many different kinds go wikipedia at some time and you'll see just like this giant list yeah the wonderful thing about them too is if even if you go through that list and don't see anything that scratches your particular itch you could always create one absolutely yeah what is a role-playing game in terms of building it it's really just here's some rules And anybody that knows any like theater or improv rules, it's really the same thing. You yes and stuff. People are coming up with an idea or a story or a scene. And then you just establish what are the rules behind this story or scene. Oh, in this case, I might roll dice. You don't have any dice? Cool. We rock, paper, scissor it, right? Or we do some version of what is success and what is failure in that. You don't want success or failure? That's fine, too. You can just come up with great ideas and the zanier the more likely something is to happen 
And so mm-hmm. it's really just a form of art to get people to have fun and express themselves creatively. And that's why we've been doing this for so long. Yeah. Yeah. I, I bet you my wife is an English teacher. She teaches middle school and I'm the GM for her creative writing club. And I'm guiding them towards in the process of creating their own campaign and then adjudicating the campaign as it plays out. Because I really think if you want to learn, I've long believed that if you want to learn how to tell a story and how to create a story you should run you should run a, a tabletop role-playing group yes oh i would also say if you ever want to learn to project manage you should run a tabletop role-playing group <laughs> because there's yes. nothing better than to see all of your amazing ideas that you wrote down and spent six hours on get literally thrown out the window by your players <laughs> <laughs> so when I started yep. playing, when I started, when I started GMing, I had this great dungeon that I came up with and I mapped it out. It was when I was a kid, right? And my players came up and that's cool. We're going to the tavern and drink and I had to come up with something else. And so mm-hmm. it teaches you how to be flexible as well in your mindset, in your approach to life. I think it makes you more resilient in that way as well. Yeah. And, and that it engages your imagination, which... I think I think it's a bloody damned shame that society beats that out of us at so relentlessly and at such an early age. And I think that anything that helps us stay in touch with that side of ourselves is healthy and good for you. I agree. There's a lot of studies on kids who grow up playing versus kids who grow up just working. And I think that's something that is missing out, particularly in Western society, is that concept of play. And yeah. we definitely need to embrace that more. And there's a lot of ways to do it, right? And games are one of them. Yeah, exactly. And speaking of games, I mean, we are speaking of games, but <laughs> speaking more of more games, more games all the time. What have you been playing recently, whether it's tabletop, board games, video games, a little bit of all three. Let's see. For tabletop games, obviously I've been playing a lot of 5th edition lately because I've been running some Forgotten Realms Kalimshin campaigns, which if you don't know any of that, it's just a desert scene. We're doing a lot of intrigue stuff. In fact, our characters were framed for murder. All of them are framed for murder, and they have to figure out why they were framed for murder. And they go into this underbelly of a criminal organization, have to infiltrate it. And so we've been having a lot of fun with that. There's a dragon involved. And that's a fun game to play. I've been reading up a lot on some World of Darkness stuff. I am about to start a Sin Eaters campaign. For those of you who've never heard of that, it's basically World of Darkness game where you have died, you went to the underworld, and the spirit kind of rolled up next to you. He's like, hey, man, you want to go back alive? Let's make a deal. And then you bond with this furious geist and you come back alive and you have to then deal with the fact you got another voice in your head and so we're playing the game where we're it's the 1800s wild west and you were a posse that got mown down by a bunch of outlaws and you all came back as geists and you're pissed off they even killed your dog and so we're playing a nice revenge story for that Mm. oh yeah you can't let that stand mess with your dog Mm -mm. they killed my dog they killed the posse we're coming back and we're in it but they, so we're doing like a whole supernatural world of darkness in the Wild West. So the barkeep is a vampire. There's nice. werewolves running around. It's gonna be it's gonna be pretty fun. It's a very weird West. Yes. What you say? Yeah. I yeah. Which by the way, if you like the weird West, Deadlands is another great game to play. 
It takes place in the Weird West. What happens if magic came back in the 1800s, which is cool. In terms of like board games and stuff like that, mostly just playing a lot of board games with my kids, so we've been learning a lot of different things. We just got them into Munchkin, which is a lot of fun, if you've ever played that. Nice, yes. That's a, that is a complex game. Like yes. Your kid's supposed to be really smart. It's more of just... What's this card do? And we say it, and they're like, okay, and they play that. There's some other fun games that I really enjoy playing. I don't know if you've ever played Flux. I have not. It's, so, it's on my list. So Flux is I one of those not. games you need to buy. It, they're pretty cheap. There's a lot of different packs, and it's one of those where you lay a card down, and the card changes the game. So you might draw one, play one, and you might throw down a draw one, play two. Or every time you draw one, you take another card. And then they have goal cards, and then they have rule cards which kind of screw with the the rest of the mm-hmm. game and it's a lot of fun to play so i've been right. playing a little bit of that what are your favorites of all time i think these are i know these are ones that you're currently playing but what would you say are your all-time favorites favorite games overall overall yes Ooh. and you can do top three if you want because i know it's i know it's tough to pick one yeah you're talking to someone who has a tabletop rpg podcast let's see I would say if I were to pick three games that I definitely would play, obviously D&D would be one of them just because it's ubiquitous and my brain is in the fantasy realm. I would also say World Darkness is a great game to just play. They're great for one shots. It's creepy. It's a lot of fun. And it's something there's so many different types in the World of Darkness, right? You could play something like a beast comes from the world of dreams you could play a vampire you could play any of the traditional monsters there's a lot of fun things out there and then i'm gonna go with for my third in terms of tabletop games i would say i'd probably go with troika honestly i've been really enjoying the rules it's very short book the art is beautiful and as i mentioned it's just a ridiculous terry pratchett-esque mind yeah it's all right I'm sold. It's you'll love it. There's just ridiculous classes. Like one of them, I think, is a is a pugilist, but also grills meat. And then there's like a feral child is a class. So there's just there's just a lot of ridiculous. uh, Yeah. And so for our for the knob gamers out there, how would you describe a pugilist? So like a fighter, right? Like a boxer. Yeah. Yeah. So you box and you grill steaks, and so you have skills in both. One of the wizards is a wizard of the sacred doorways, I think, and literally has a tiny little door on their forehead that goes someplace, but they don't know where. It's just absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Terry Pratchett, Douglas Adams-esque. Oh, that, yeah, I'm sold. Like, you had me at Terry Pratchett first with that movie through Douglas Adams in there. Oh, yeah, yeah. I am checking this out. But there's a lot of great games out there. And I, another game like that I really love on a sci-fi note is Starfinder which is based off the Pathfinder mm. system. It's right. awesome. Space Goblins. That's all I got to say. Technomancer yeah. Space yeah. Goblins, guys. It's, it's it, wonderful. There you go. Yeah. Would you say we're in a golden age of gaming currently? I definitely think that there is an upsurge, and I think the pandemic did a lot of that for us because people were locked at home. And so for video games, obviously people got back into playing video games. I certainly got back into right. playing a lot of video games as well. But... I think people were looking for a creative outlet and that's when Critical Role, I know they've been doing a lot of stuff for the last couple of years, but I mean like everybody when the pandemic hit knew about them at that point. Yep. And then D&D, what with Stranger Things and all the other 80s nostalgia that have crept up in 
film and TV has definitely given tabletop games, particularly a boost. And it's just a fine time to play. Yeah. And then I think especially now that you know, things are starting to slowly come back to normal and we're starting to emerge from our hovels and actually socialize again. It's really, it's a perfect time to play a board game, a tabletop game, post the game night because people are itching for like, we've been so deprived of contact, face-to-face contact uh, for the past two years. I would agree. And in fact, We've done an episode on hosting a game night. If your listeners are interested in checking that out at some point, I can go ahead and tell you one of the things is don't just play board games or don't just play like tabletop games or any games, really. Right? Do this with video games too. Theme it, right? Have some fun. If you're having people over your house, look, you've been shut in, you know, you're pasty because you haven't gotten enough vitamin D and sunlight and you want to get back into society, you're unsure of the social cues, have a game night, right? Dress up the part. If you're playing a game, it doesn't matter what kind of game. It could be, it could even be Connect Four. I don't care, right? You could dress up, wear little dots and stuff like that. Have themed snacks, have some music, make it a whole night. Get your friends into it. It's a lot of fun. Yes, it is. Have you ever played Forgotten Waters? I haven't. Oh, awesome. I get to recommend the game to you. It is. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's it's a board game. It, it has heavy kind of RPG elements, but it's not exactly an RPG. It's more of traditional like board game, but with a very strong like improvisational element and with RPGs like character development. It's basically magical pirates. So you've got me sold on that. Then I nothing yep. pirates, magical pirates. It's even better. I love that. Yep. So yeah, as I said, if you're going for a theme night, like I actually did one for my birthday where we played that and we all just got in, just talked like pirates all night. And it was the most fun I've had like in a decade. <laughs> Highly recommend the game. I will definitely have to check that out. Anything that has magical pirates in it is I'm definitely sold on. That or Godzilla. Those are my two games. Which by the way, what is it? King of Tokyo? is a delightful game as well, board game. So how about video games? What are what sort of video games do you like to play? Generally, the video games that I play are either, I like some of the old retro games just because I now am able to go back and play all of them on one device, which is great. Or I've been getting into a lot, like I loved Skyrim. That was my game that I played for a while. I love Borderlands. Most of the games that I generally play are not too realistic mostly because I would much rather escape to something interesting than to play something like Counter-Strike or something like that, or even like even the zombie right. games. I don't play a lot of like zombie video games because it's just, I, I want something that's just more ridiculous. And so I like a lot yeah. of the over-the-top style games. What about some of the kind of older games you mentioned? What are some of your favorites there? I'm a big fan of, we talked about like some old Nintendo games, so any of the Metroid series. I used to have this mm. thing where if I couldn't, you remember, you might be of a certain age where you remember renting games for the weekend. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I, I used to have this rule where if I couldn't beat it in over the weekend as a kid, then that was the game that I wanted to buy. And so those were the games that I always would look forward to playing. So always the Legend of Zelda, the the Dragon Quest games, any of those types of games. But also stuff like I, I got back into playing the Baldur's Gate series on the PC. Mm. And uh, what is it? Neverwinter Nights is always fun. Yes, I can. 
Good Old Games is definitely a place where I'll go and buy a lot of games. They remastered Master of Orion as well, which was a which is I played for a hot minute. Oh, I think I saw that. Yeah, I might have it. I might have it on my like wish list or whatever you call it. Now, I will recommend some games to play if you have an Oculus or some kind of VR system because I have been playing a lot of that. And I got to tell you, if you want to work out, play Pistol Whip. So I, for years, like my buddies have had an Oculus, and they've been trying to sell me on this game. Look at the Star Trek game. It's great. Oh, it looks really cool, but I'd never buy this setup. And someone's like, oh, look at Demio. It's a D&D game from top down. I was like, that's cool. I'd rather just play D&D. And then one of my friends came over to my house. He's like, you got to try this game. It's called Pistol Whip. I'm like, yeah, whatever. So I get down there. It's this low-poly shoot-em-up game, right? And they're like, all the assailants are like low-poly, and it's all to dubstep music. And I was like, this is awesome. And I'm ducking and dodging, dive, duck, and dodge, just like from Dodgeball. And by the end of it, I played 20 minutes, and my knees are killing me. Like, my thighs are swole because I had been squatting so much, and the next day I had a hard time walking. And I'm like, you know what? If this makes me sweat this much, I have got to buy this game. And so that's actually the game that got me into buying, like, an Oculus. And so I've been having a lot of fun playing with that. There's, like, a Blade and Sorcery game, which is a sandbox game where you just basically fight people and sling spells man imagine that after decades of our parents complaining about video games keeping us inside and sedentary it's we're about to come full circle and they're i hope so they're gonna get people exercising actually that's pretty cool if you swing beat saber around long enough your arms will actually get Mm -hmm. tired it's fun and they make the weights form too for those of you who want to get fit oh yeah just watch out with your kids because you don't want to brain them. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> also, you don't want to let them use it. Otherwise, you'll never get it back. Yes. Yeah. If you find if they find out <laughs> yeah. about that, then it's yeah. all over. Yeah. So, Eric, I want to pivot a little bit and talk about storytelling and in the con and in specifically in the context of games. Or and I should say maybe probably more video games because with with tabletop games of course storytelling is such an integral part of the experience that it can't really call that into question. Otherwise you're calling the whole format into question, right? Whereas with video games have a much more I would say checkered relationship with narrative and with story. What would you say makes for a good story in a video game and i don't good is probably not the right word to use for the lack of a better term but what would you say makes for an effective video game story i think the biggest thing about a story in any game is to have engaging characters and this is and we go back to the hollywood problem right where you could have all the cinematics and all the graphics in the world but if i don't care about your characters i'm not going to watch this movie And the same thing applies to video games as well. Some of the best video games that people play have a reason for you to care about the protagonist or the antagonist. You give them dimension. There's a lot of flat characters in video games, and you could tell, right? You could tell when it's just like, all right, this is just a shoot-em-up game. I don't care about the story. I'm just going to play this, and then I'm done. So that's definitely a big thing. Developing the world in the game is also another huge criteria that I think makes a good story in video games. That can apply to lore. That can apply to 
any of the supplements that come out after the game or even just little trinkets of information to build, like flesh out that game world. The Witcher is a great example of that, right? The game lore behind The Witcher is awesome, right? It's why people played it. We go back to playing like Skyrim or any of the Elder Scrolls series. They went overboard Mm -hmm. with a lot of their stuff. Honestly, that may not be a good example because it's almost too much lore behind that. And then I would say the third element behind that is to take that lore, take that character development and style it according to the game that you're trying to play. So developing a theme behind that. That's a huge thing too. You can have all the lore you want, but if it's not styled in a particular direction, then you may lose the message behind that for the people playing. Fallout's a great example of like theming, right? Everything's kind of that Adam Punk style. And so all of the lore behind that is in that Adam Punk, I've got a martini in my hand and a cigarette and the world's about to end kind of style to it. So I think that's what makes an intriguing and engaging storyline is that character development, the game lore, and then the theming. Where would you slot in or integrate a player interaction or player agency into the into this process? Well, good player interaction builds upon one of those three or all of those three elements. So if you have a game where the player's actions build the lore, assist with the theme, or build character development, then you've automatically engaged the character because now I'm not just a passive user of a game. I'm now a contributor to the game. And so I have something invested in it. And so Mm -hmm. I think it's plugged right in there with those three concepts, 100%. Yeah. Do you have any examples of video games that you'd say do it particularly well? To think about that for a second. I can go first. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Let me think about that real quick. Sure. Yeah, you know, in the course of researching for my newsletter, I played through the Chrono series, Chrono Trigger, Chrono Cross, Radical Dreamers. Wonderful characters, and Chrono Trigger anyway. Some, some of the most memorable characters in gaming, period. It's basically a perfect game. It's like the gameplay is like perfectly balanced. The story is perfectly paced. The characters are memorable. They handle the time travel like really well, which is so freaking hard to pull off properly. The graphics still hold up all these years later. The soundtrack is amazing. I've been ruminating a lot about this, how like how all the ingredients went together and what makes the whole greater than the sum of its parts, right? At what point in the creation process does the magic kicked in? But I, I played Chrono Trigger and I totally agree. Like it, it was a very well put together game and it was something that was interesting. Again, engaging your actions determine the course of the game. It was very well done. I think that's a perfect example of that. Another good example, one that I think would be good for in terms of showcasing what we just talked about would be Planescape Torment. If you remember that, which was written by Monty Cook for Storyline. And it had, you woke up as a god, you were a, de- a deity that had died, you lost your memory, you don't have any powers, and your actions determined how your character turned out in the game. The game was phenomenal. The graphics at the time were spectacular, even though it was like a top-down type thing. The story was amazing, because all of the characters had rich, complex backstories. They were intriguing. They left just a little bit out to make you wonder about them as well, which is another thing in terms of like well-written story and your yes. actions changed how you dealt with the game universe, which is really cool. And so that was a lot of I mean, fun. Have you ever seen that 
list everything I learned in life I learned from D&D. <laughs> I learned a lot from role-playing games as a kid. And one of the things I learned is to be flexible with what you do, to have a variety of passions because you never know what kind of information can crop up in the real world. D&D taught me how to talk to other people because I'm having to tell a story, perform in front of people. And that translated later on when I got into comedy and improv. I never was afraid of performing in front of a crowd because I was playing D&D with a bunch of my buddies for years. And what's the worst that's going to happen? They're going to laugh at me? Okay, that's exactly what I want. It taught me yeah. to come up and think of the next step. And that's a huge thing. So if I'm going to set you up against a dragon, what happens after that in D&D? That translates directly right. to your business, to whatever you're doing in your job. Okay, how do you set yourself up for success as a professional in the workplace? How do you set yourself up doing whatever task or project? And so there's a lot of, yeah, I guess it would be a lot of everything I learned from D&D in many ways. Is that the secret to life, the universe, and everything? Aside from 42? Aside from 42, of course. Definitely say that's, yeah, it's definitely at the top there. And along with the golden rules of just be forgiving and have fun. Like all of this is about having fun. And that's a lot of times people don't remember that when they're playing games or they're serious about games. You see a lot of people on Twitch playing games are super serious and they're not joking around. I was like, these guys don't look like they're having fun. They look like they're doing a show. And that's the audience can tell. Like when we do our show, we have fun. If we're not having fun, guess what? We don't do the show. And the same thing with you, with your show, you're obviously enjoying what you do. So if you don't enjoy what you do, go find something to enjoy and do that. Yes. Life is too short. Absolutely. Awesome. I do have one more question for you, and that is, would you like to plug your pluggables? Absolutely. So you've been listening to myself, Eric Holden. I am part of the Goblin's Corner. We are a weekly tabletop role-playing game podcast, which teaches you how to storytell, create better characters, create awesome worlds, and just play games in general. We are everywhere you listen to podcasts, as well as on YouTube, which is the Goblin's Corner on YouTube. And you can find us at goblinscorner.com. Hit us up at Goblin's Corner on Twitter for as long as that dumpster fire is alive. And if not, you can find us on Dice Camp or IE Mastodon at Goblin's Corner as well. And my co-host Matt does a lot more social media than I do, so he's probably on all the other socials as well. We've got a Facebook group you're welcome to join as well. Goblin's Corner. It's pretty much all Goblin's Corner, so it's really easy to find. There you go, folks. Goblin's Corner. Go out, find, follow, subscribe. Also, subscribe to Game & Word. Any parting words of wisdom for our listeners before we wrap up? Sure. Anybody that wants to get into games, do it. I would say collaborative storytelling and gaming in general is a fun activity. It helps your brain. It's freeing. It releases those nice little endorphins and such, and it makes you think like a kid again. So go be a kid again and play something fun. There you go. I couldn't have said it better myself. All right, that has been another episode of the Game & Word podcast. Ladies, gentlemen, non-binary folks, everyone, anyone in between, Eric Holden, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. All right, thank you so much once again to our awesome guest, Eric Holden, for such a fun and different conversation.
as always, I'll be linking uh, Eric's contact information and his podcast, The Goblin's Corner, in the episode notes. Once again, I'd like to thank all of you for listening today, and especially want to thank Gaben Ward's paid subscribers for keeping this whole gaming newsletter, podcasting, publishing operation running, uh, for keeping it free, and for keeping it available to all. I particularly want to shout out Game Awards founding members, again, for making this episode possible. They are Litzakas from Lucerne, Switzerland, members in April 14, 2022. Ella F. from San Diego, California, members since April 24, 2020. Alexi F. from Chicago, Illinois, members since May 13, 2022. And Elvira O. from Querétaro, Mexico, members since May 18, 2022. Finally, and I want to thank every single one of you for listening today. This publication, newsletter, podcast, none of it would be possible without you. So as always, you have my undying gratitude for your readership, your listenership, and your support. Once again, I'm Jay Rooney, and this has been another episode of the Game and Word podcast. Talk to you again soon. And in the meantime, keep leveling up your curiosity, knowledge, and wonder stats with Game and Word, the curious gaming publication where gaming meets humanity and a 2022 Substack featured publication. Talk to you next time or on a subscriber chat. Until then, stay curious, players, and Happy New Year.